Hello everyone, my name is Rebecca Kelly and you're listening to the Everywhere We Go podcast. On this week's episode, I sit down with Elle Siobhan. I came across Elle's page through our self-built community on Instagram, a group of well-wishers who you can turn to for advice or information on everything you need to know about building your new home. But when Elle's son Ben overnight became a different baby, Elle found herself with no one to turn to. Countless sleepless nights, missed milestones and incorrect diagnoses led Elle to believe she was failing as a mother. And it wasn't until one day while feeding Ben that she noticed that he was having a seizure of some sort and by chance videoed it. Armed with this evidence, she went straight to A&E and Ben was diagnosed with West Syndrome, a rare form of epilepsy in infants that if not stopped by medicine can cause severe brain damage. I love Elle's Home Before Time Insta page and this story shows that no one knows what goes on behind the grid. Elle, you're the loveliest soul and have the heart of a lioness. Ben's road is still ahead of him and I wish you, Ben and Neil, the very best of everything with it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from? Hi, um, my name is Elaine Chavan and I'm originally from Kerry. I'm near Dingle and now I'm living in Cork. What's taking you to Cork? <laughs> I'm asking myself the same question. <laughs> uh, well, t- I had to come here for work, Rebecca, and they and they haven't let me live it down. And I'm now here nearly 20 years. Imagine. Oh my God. Time, time flies. Time flies. So tell me what it was like growing up in Kerry. Um, yeah, we had an amazing childhood um we had sheep in the back garden <laughs> your typical Kerry yeah we had a great childhood we were out in the country um we were a family of eight so plenty of I know plenty of fights plenty of friendships plenty of fun probably broke my mom and dad's heart but um yeah we had a great childhood we were very close as the family so yeah. and when you say a typical Kerry like what like what is is it is a full-on country it is fun. Well, where I'm from, it's full on country. Yeah, you'd have a bus pass maybe twice a day, if if even. <laughs> uh, you know, now everybody tends to love Dingle, and there's there's floods of people in for New Year's Eve and Christmas summer. Like we say, summer that Dingle's packed and it's so busy. But you, I mean, you're talking about Main Street. <laughs> there could be just no traffic moving in Main Street. Whereas, um, yeah, it's, it's different in Cork, definitely. But um, and I even say that when I drive to Kerry, my 
government rising changes once I go over the border. You know, if there's tractors stopped in the middle of the road, you don't beep your horn or um, farmers could stop to chat to each other. And you just go with the flow. I think it's more of a relaxed vibe. And yeah, it's lovely. I love, I always said I'd move there. Um, not sure now, but um, um, yeah, I'd love to go home. Um, sure, Kerry always has a special place in my heart. So Was it hard moving? And what, why did you move? It was, I was in boarding school, so I think the move wasn't that as difficult as, as it seems. I was in boarding school from about the age of 11 to 17, did my leaving cert. Um, very strict regiment in um, a boarding school. It was near Dingle, but um, yeah, I didn't mind it. My sisters will, will say different, but um, I didn't mind it. Definitely different to how other people would have grown up. Um, we had nuns and we had mass every morning at 20 plus seven and you came down and you had a little job it was all last week as well Rebecca so oh my Irish. god yeah um and you were penalized if you spoke a word of English so yeah it's so it's, I never thought of it as being any different but um I guess it was um yeah so we were there I was there for five years and you slept there and you were allowed home every weekend every, sorry every third weekend and you had I think it was, God, thinking back now, I think it was three weeks for Christmas and then your regular run of the mill Easter and Halloween. But um, yeah, I suppose like we have a great bond with mom. Um, my dad has passed away, but we had a great bond with mom now. So um, and then obviously, but um, I don't know, does it just make us want to go home a lot more? as adults so I mean mom's never been alone in her own I'd say ever <laughs> you yeah. know we're always traipsing down the road to her um and even I used to joke about to my husband that I was his winter wife um because I'm a teacher so for summer I used to pack my bags yeah. and hit the road for Kerry and stay down with mom and dad for the summer um so yeah so boarding school was interesting um great education um did that make you want to go into teaching um, I've always loved kids, always wanted to do, I, I wanted to do psychology, um, so child psychology. Mm-hmm. I didn't get enough points for Trinity College and I suppose I just didn't fall into teaching. I'm, I'm delighted. I'm nearly 20 years as a teacher now and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I wouldn't, I don't think it's, well, unless I go down the psychology route of child psychology, but I don't think there's anything else I would love to do. You either love it or you hate it. I know people give out about teachers and their holidays, but you have to love it or you wouldn't do it. Definitely. And can I ask you with the religion in the mornings? Because I always ask and I know it's something you're not supposed to talk about, really. But I I, am not a devout Catholic, but I do. I Mm -hmm. do believe in God and all that. Um, But so do you carry that through your life now or is it something that's just there? Yeah, well, my mom would be a devout Catholic. Yeah, like I suppose I am Catholic and I was raised Ben Catholic and I don't think I would be the type of church gore that my parents would have been, but um, I do see it as an important part of my life. So God. does that answer your Yeah, question? it really does because I don't, like the thing is now that, like, you know, in Dublin and I don't, and maybe I'm wrong, but may, where I'm from in Dublin as an adult, we mm-hmm. don't go to mass with our, our parents. My parents don't even go to mass anymore. You know, they go for okay. funerals and so on. And I know that during COVID, the local parish are doing Zoom. Uh, and sometimes yeah. I found myself going on to them and actually feeling 
a million times better after getting mass or just listening to them talk. So I wonder if it's, and I hate saying it, is it a country thing that people are still going to mass with their parents, you know, at the age of 37 or 40 or, you know? Exactly. Oh, I, like if I'm home, I'm going to mass. Like that's, there's no question. You just do it. And like my, my husband even laughs. Um, My mom, even for Zoom, she'll, she'll be dressed and ready for mass. Like, you know, it's, it's the thing in, in, in our house. If she's up minding Ben, like she'll have the rollers on, she's ready to do her Zoom mass god it's yeah i love it yeah do you know what i say though rebecca i do think it's the kind of meditate it is that meditation that people had long ago and i don't think we have that and we're i think we we search for that you know a bit of downtime no phones no technology and yeah like i do i do find it you just sit back now you might listen to anything but you sit and you're quiet for whatever it is 30 minutes depending on the breeze mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah it's a time just that you have to yourself and nobody's bothering you and yeah it's nice i think you've hit the nail on the head there now with the whole thing because i do believe God, and I'm probably going off on a tangent here, but I do believe that people <laughs> are searching for something. They're mm-hmm. searching for something true, sea swims, true meditation, true manifestation. And mm-hmm. really, I would probably find that in a church or in a mass and you probably would as well. Um, yeah, it's just time for yourself. Yeah. So And come here. So let's get back to the conversation then. OK, yes. so you <laughs> went to Cork and then so obviously leaving then after the boarding school, it's not a big deal for you just to pack up your bags no. and go. No. And I went to Mary Eye, which wasn't too different from the boarding school that I was in. Um, but I thought there was loads of freedom, but others, again, would beg to differ. Um, but I had a great, great college life Um, had have fabulous friends who I still have. What is that place? Tell me about it. What is it? Mary I, Mary Mackler College. Okay, I don't know. Never heard of it. No, tell me, tell me. (laughs) It's a teaching college in Limerick. Um, So I was there for three years um, from, I I did my Lumis there very young. I was 17 when I left for college. Um, So I was a teacher before I was nearly 21. Wow. Um, Yeah, so, um, but I loved it. And then move it on for me then and tell me then you're in Cork and you're, you're, teaching there so you settled mm-hmm. there do you how how quickly then do you meet your husband where do you meet your husband tell me about that I actually met him in Limerick believe it or not oh. I met him when I was in college um so I actually lived with his first cousin and he came down from he was in UCC in Cork and he came down to Limerick one night and that's it. <laughs> that was this. We swapped numbers or did I get his number off his cousin and text him? And as they say, the rest is history. So we got engaged in 2000. So we met in 2003 and we got engaged in 2011. I'm looking over in it to make sure I'm right. I think I'm right. And um, so, yeah, he proposed to me in New York. So it was very, very uh-huh. romantic. And um, we actually went traveling for a full year after it. So we packed up our bags in September 2011 and we traveled the world for a year. Yeah, it was amazing. Great time to look back on. So I think his his goal was for to have a ring on my finger before we left. Just in case. I can understand that. (laughs) And I just seen on a recent post, I think it was Father's Day and you just said that you 
wouldn't have, and I know it's going to be hard for you because it's sitting beside you, but you wouldn't have what you have without him. So what kind of guy is he? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Um, he has stuck by me through thick and thin and the last two years have two and a half years, I suppose, has tested our relationship to the max. And I don't think many relationships would have survived it. And it is a true testament to him that we did get through it all. And like, honestly, Rebecca, this house definitely wouldn't be standing unless he was beside me because yeah, it was, it's been, it's been rough. It has been rough. There's, you know, there's no two ways about it. Um, but he's been amazing. Sure. We've, he's, yeah, he's, he's made my life amazing. I can see yeah. that. Um, so you got married and then what was the plan? So yeah, the plan was, I don't know if we ever had a plan, did we? We, I suppose we got married in 2011. Um, sorry, 2013, we got married in July. And then my dad was dying of cancer. So he died on the very last day of that year. So the 31st of December, 2013. So I think I knew for quite a while dad was dying. Dad had terminal cancer for quite some time. And so I think our goal was to get married. Um, And for a long time, the marriage was, I suppose, up in the air of, do we do it now? Do we do it sooner? But I trust in my gut. I knew dad wouldn't, wouldn't go. Um, even though you're never too sure, are you? Um, when you're watching somebody, I suppose, die in front of your eyes, you feel that um, you don't know if they've longed to, to go or not because you're not sure of how frail a person can get. And I suppose dad got very frail in the end. And yeah, he, he passed away that year. Uh, which was tough. So in terms of plans, we didn't have any plan. Um, we, again, and it was by my side and we kind of soldiered it together. And, um, I suppose we decided that we wanted to have a baby, um, because the house wasn't happening. And we thought, you know, you have this lovely romantic yeah. ideal of having a home and putting a, a baby room together and, all that but it just wasn't meant to be and we had huge difficulty in trying to get pregnant um and we had a few misses along the way and I suppose it came to a point where we needed help so we ended going down the fertility route and we were we had fertility treatment for about a year and a half and it came to a point then we were told that this was our last option unless we wanted to move on to a further IVF and things like that. So um, just so happened, I went in for a scan to see what the story was. And there was one follicle that was a size that they were kind of happy with. And it wasn't it didn't come out of any like we had I can't remember all the drugs now that we were on, um, um, but whatever follicle that was there was big enough that they were willing to wait and we were shocked we're delighted again it's a part of my life that I've kind of compartmentalized and you know you 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 tend to go through all of these things in life and you once you come out the other side you, you just kind of have to make peace with all that don't you and 
Yeah, we have we have been, you know. Um, Did you make peace with it? Did I make peace with it? Um, I don't like to, th- yeah, I don't like to think about things too much, Rebecca, because, yeah, you do make peace with it. I I suppose during that time, you're very cross with yourself. You're, you're, you're angry that your body doesn't do what your body should do. You know, you blame yourself, you blame you blame lots of things. You think maybe I'm not, I'm not doing things right. Maybe and like I suppose going through fertility treatment, you're taking a lot of hormones. So you're you're upset one minute, you're elated the next minute. You're angry. You're it's hard. It's frustrating. You're on a million apps trying to wonder if you're ovulating. If you're if you're not, um, I had PCOS and um, you go through the rigmarole of like your lap and eye, your, yeah, there was a lot of tests that time and uh, you're not alone. You walk into those fertility treatment centres and you think that you're the only person going through it and yeah, it could have been a lot worse. We were, we were very lucky um, that we ended up being able to have been. Um but yeah, it was, I suppose I'm not going into too much, Rebecca, but it was, it was, it was shit. It was, it was a horrible time um, to have to go through. Um, yeah, I, God, it's a thing, again, a thing we've been through so much more <laughs> that it trivializes a lot of what went on then, you know, you've, you have moved on. I, yeah, you have to move on. You have to move on for your family. You have to move on for your relationship. Um, and we have the most amazing little boy in our lives. So, and yeah. then you got pregnant with Ben. And what yes. was that like then when you found out that you were pregnant with Ben? Wow. Yeah. I think my husband laughed for about 30 minutes when I told him. Um, yeah, it was amazing. How did you find um, it? So it was all very clinical. Um, so we, I went to the fertility treatment center in Cork, um, Waterstone Clinic, and we, the nurse, um, checked my ovaries, and I had one follicle that was big enough. And she told me to come back in a few days, and if it was still there, she would inject me. And then, like it's very clinical, you have to have intercourse and that night. And uh, anyway, yeah. so she, I went, and the follicle was big and large enough. So we had one follicle, and it was just fantastic. And we obviously had to go home and yeah can I ask you is that like romantic or is that like let's get this shit done you know what is like you know you're just like right we're doing this get it in get it out oh, you know what, what? I know I know we tried to make it romantic um but yeah so they ring like it's so clinical they ring you the next week and they're like so um I wanted to do a pregnancy test on this date in the world you're no sooner and I think yeah whatever date they gave me but I, I did a sneaky little one oh, before God, that yeah. and yeah there was two lines so it's like wow my god this is just yeah yeah it's amazing we've been trying trying for quite some time and yeah it's it was brilliant and what was the pregnancy like <laughs> I had a fantastic pregnancy. I had a brilliant, like I never felt pregnant. Um, but yeah, I had a great pregnancy. We went to, we were still traveling because we we love traveling. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great. No complaints. Um, I don't think I was ever sick. Um, 
yeah, you have the, your odd, like you've your cravings and maybe like the first month you were tired or a few headaches, but like, you know, things that wouldn't bother you that much. Yeah, it was brilliant. And then what was the birth like? So because of our journey, um, our consultant wanted to do a C-section. So again, it was all planned. Um, Ben was breech as well. So we had set a date and it was the 22nd of November and everything was, you know, that date was set in stone and we knew we were going to have a baby that day. We didn't know the sex, so that was nice. Even though I knew, I knew in my gut from, I'd say week six onwards, I knew it was a boy. I was like, I, I don't know why, but I was just convinced it was a boy. Um, and yeah, we had Ben. Um, so he was the tiny little baba. I think he was, what was he, three three kg he was tiny I was told he was going to be a humongous baby but I think he has long limbs and I don't know what how they they measure a a baby but yeah he was tiny (laughs) he was tiny so it was all good yeah we I stayed in the hospital and then we came home and of course you've you're pandemonium of newborn at home and you have to clear what you're doing and all of the new parents um <laughs> what? I mean it's pandemonium isn't it like yeah, it's, yeah. it's just crazy your life just changes like that and you just have to roll with the punches I remember a friend of mine said anything that's said from 12 a.m until 6 a.m you just have to <laughs> brush it off and just forgive each other so yeah that was yeah. That says it all, really. But yeah, it was great. We were in our little bubble. So it was, and it was a nice time of the year as well. It was Christmas time. So we had our first little Santi. And yeah, Ben was a, a very good baby for November, December. Uh, and um, yeah, so then things started to change for us, I suppose. So, um, so December, um, we were going home to Kerry and Ben got very sick. Um, he got really sick. He had a terrible viral infection. Um, so um, we, there, nothing GPs could do. Um, and it was Christmas Eve. So we were, I suppose, we were, uh, trying to juggle a sick baby, newborn. We didn't know what to do, what to turn, you know, who to turn to. And he had a really raspy, I remember a really raspy chest and his breathing was very labored. But um, again, we kept him ringing South Dock and there was, they kept on saying, look, he's fine. He'll be okay. There's nothing we could do, even if you brought him in. Um, but I think from that day forth, just things just never settled down for us ever again. Um so yeah, so Ben, Ben became a really, really irritable baby from that day forward. Um, he used scream from, oh gosh, from one, two in the day until maybe about five or six in the evening time. Um, he hated breastfeeding. He didn't ever want to be up in my arms as a newborn. Um, hated sleeping, didn't, didn't hate sleep, but would never sleep. Even in the pram, I, I, I got it into my head that if I didn't roll over anything that would shake the pram that he might sleep, but even the little lip in a, a pavement would wake him up. Like, you know, you have this, 
this romantic like yeah. I, I remember getting the buggy Rebecca and yeah. I thought oh I'm going to be out in the pram and I'll be going for lunches and drinking my coffee like that that just was never the case and um, it was probably I won't say the hardest time in my life but it's it's time where you feel like you're failing and like it wasn't postpartum depression or anything but I just felt I couldn't do it I I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know if this was right I didn't know if other mothers were experiencing what I was experiencing and just not telling me or was there something wrong um so I remember bringing my mom up from Kerry for January and saying like is this normal and she was like no well it's not normal um so then you kind of think okay who's going to give me answers like so I went to my GP and you try and explain um what is going on but I think as a new mom you're you're pretty much pushed to one side and told look every baby's cry um you know you're and you're very impressionable as a, yeah. as a first mom as well because you've no nothing to base your, your your theories on like you've no experience you've no um other child to to like weigh up against and um yeah it just you're sent home and you think okay it's me you know I'm doing something wrong what, like what is it so January and February were just they were hell um I just thought, gosh, and I'm, a, I'm the type of person, I'm a little bit, not OCD, but I just, I feel like I have to be not the best at everything, but my best at everything, you know, like I, I wanted to be a good mom. I wanted things to be great. I wanted to have that family unit of um, being able to go out places, but I was terrified. I was actually scared to leave the house for fear that Ben would just lose the plot because that's exactly what would happen he would scream he'd thrash he'd like trying to feed him was just a nightmare he'd go all red he'd break out in like rashes and oh it was just yeah I didn't know where to turn to um so I got a pediatrician to look at him in CUH and um she told me he was sleep deprived and that sent me down an awful road because trying to get a child or a baby to sleep um when they don't sleep yeah I can't tell you how bad of a road that I went down um you're trying to follow all these expertise and sleep coaches and it was just ridiculous um and I panicked because if he didn't sleep for an hour in the afternoon like is that going to like impact him and he wasn't putting on weight and he wasn't reaching milestones and I thought oh my god like what what am I what can I do like tell me I needed help I needed somebody to pull me out and just say like it's okay this isn't how it works for every child or like it's that road of of trying to get him to sleep was just horrendous um it was never going to work for Ben and in hindsight I put an awful lot of strain on me and on as like as a couple I just I felt like if I'd gotten him to sleep everything was going to be okay and it wasn't I was never going to be okay but yeah for months that was our road and it was it was rough it was horrible it was horrible for Ben it was horrible for us and so then like I looked to other places I took him to a a new GP and I asked her like what can we do and she thought that he had a tongue tie 
no, I had flagged this at the hospital. I had flagged this um, to other people. But again, whatever it is in um, is it first time mothers, is it, I don't know. You're just you really are underestimated as um, knowing anything about about your own child. Um, I knew Ben had a tongue tie because his tongue was starting to shape, uh, go into the shape of an M. So I knew he did, but I didn't know was that impacting on him? Was that impacting him on breastfeeding? What? So um, our new GP actually does tongue ties. So she snipped his tongue, but saw that he had a posterior um, tongue tie as well. So it was lodged right onto the root bar, onto the bottom of his mouth. So we took him to um, Justin Roachen in Limer in Tipperary and he lasered his tongue free. But even by this stage, Rebecca, like he had fallen already behind in his milestone. So when I when the public health nurse came to us, um, Ben wasn't able to do tummy time. He wasn't lifting his head. But again, you're given the reason that, look, if he wasn't, he was putting so much effort into breastfeeding because he had a tongue tie that he didn't have any other effort or he didn't have any other energy left to do anything else. And again, you're very accepting. You're you're very accepting of everything. Um, so again, we, we ended up starting on physio. So we had public physio from when he was three months old. Um uh, we, I went to a breastfeeding consultant. You, you'd do anything. Yeah. You would do anything for your child. It, it didn't matter if you had beans on toast on your plate five, six days a week. You'd pay anything. You'd do anything. I just needed it to be right for him. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, yeah. Oh, gosh. How old was he when they lasered his tongue? He was three or four months old. I think it was March. So he would have been four months old. And then were you like so angry with all the previous doctors that you'd been to because of that? It's frustrating because I'd known he had a tongue tie for all that time. And I was putting it down to that's the reason that he wasn't breastfeeding properly. Um, And I, oh gosh, Rebecca, he used to scream so much. I used, like I used I remember saying to my husband, please, please just don't leave us because he used to leave for work. I was just, please, please. I was crying. I was bawling at like half seven, eight o'clock because I thought, how am I going to get through another day? How? I just didn't know how. Um, And it's, you put on a brave face for everyone else and your friends and because you don't want to show that vulnerability, you don't want to show that you can't do it. Um, You know, I want to as I said, I wanted to be a good mom and I wasn't, you know, that was it in a nutshell. I just couldn't be. But you were, um, but you were. It was, yeah, you just don't feel it. You don't feel like you're getting anywhere, really. Um, so, yeah, we just we kept on going with physio. Um, and April, I think April, May, Ben started to show some progress. So we were delighted and we thought, okay, this is it. We're on a good road here. Um, And I went back to work in June. So June of 2019. So I only took six months maternity leave. Now I was going to be off for the summer. And in hindsight, again, I shouldn't have, I suppose I shouldn't have gone back, but I did. Um, But as well as that, you have, you know, I, I absolutely, I, I, you know, I just, 
you you need that for yourself though as well because otherwise you, you wouldn't have been there for him you wouldn't have been you, know. you know and you can't be upset or angry with yourself because like and even the fact that you're saying I know I was you were a good mom and you were just trying to do what you could and like I I get you you had to go to work you had to go to work and, and hindsight you know, is a great um, thing but it's hindsight I know I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah, and it is, it is, as you say, it's lovely to get out and be sociable with adults. And, um, you know, I had my husband took some time off that June and spent some time at home. And I suppose that's where the real story begins then um, with Ben. So, yeah, excuse me now if I start to get upset because okay. I... I don't think I've ever spoken very openly about what Ben has gone through, but yeah. Take your time. Okay. So, mm-hmm. Whenever you're ready. So yeah. Okay. So in June, I went back to work and um, I used to come home and think Ben, ben isn't doing certain things that he used to. So he wasn't lifting his head. He stopped rolling. Um, There were certain milestones that he had met that I thought, he just doesn't seem to be doing it anymore. And um, like he'd oddly, like his head would just drop randomly. And I thought, gosh, that's like, even my mom was like, that's so odd. Um, and again, we had scre- these screaming bouts. And when I mean screaming, Rebecca, like you've, you've never seen the likes of it. I have videos upon videos upon videos of Ben screaming so much that you could see his blue veins just popping in his head. Um, and you couldn't do anything because he didn't want to be with you. I actually, like, I actually used to say to, to, to my husband that I think Ben actually hates me. I really do. Like he never wanted to be up in my arms. He never wanted physical like contact. He preferred to be down on the ground. Um, but like in June, I was at school and I used, I, I even remember a, a teacher asking me, oh, was Ben upset when you left? And my answer to her was, I actually don't know if Ben knows who I really am. Mm. Uh, and this was, I mean, Ben was six months at that time. Um, so again, I was showing videos to my friends. I was showing videos to the, my colleagues. I was like, what? Like, is this normal? Please tell me, is this normal? Like, is this, have you experienced this? Like I needed, I needed someone to tell me. And it got, as I was moving further and further into June, Ben was regressing more and more and more. And like he has a cousin in Australia and she was be sending us loads of videos and there was only a couple of months between him and Ben. So I used to be scrolling back to see like, what was he doing at six months and going, look, like well, he's like Ben is just, you know, there's like, this doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. There's something wrong. Uh, my gut was telling me something was wrong. But then you have like people coming into the house going, oh, should no, look, he'll be fine. He'll... You know, this is normal. They all do the things in their own time. I've heard that saying so often. And I thought, no, I like my gut, I knew, I knew there was something wrong, but I just didn't know where to turn to. Um so kept on going through June and um 
then I was it was in my head from July onwards I was going to focus entirely on Ben and see what I could do see what what I could do to help him progress in his skills see what I could do to help him stop with the screaming again with the sleep I was like maybe she's like maybe it's back to the sleep thing so my goal was to move his cot out of our room and see if that would help um because I mean we were getting no sleep at night um he never slept during the day yeah it yeah it just yeah June was was bad because I suppose I knew I knew something was wrong um and others couldn't see it did you think you were mad I did. I st- yeah, I did. I did. And I, uh, I'm a person who probably listens to other people's opinions a little much as well when I should have just trusted my gut instinct. Yeah. But again, Rebecca, like it's, you know, when you're going to professionals as well, um, you feel they should know as well you know that you feel not that they should know but if they tell you everything's okay you you trust them you do of course you do um they're an expertise in their field and you you do you you trust them um but come july then ben was starting to randomly fall asleep at odd times and part of me was thinking okay maybe he's just come to a stage now where he's just tired and uh, you just don't know. Um, and like, oh gosh, as a mom, I had all those little milestone placards, you know, that you wanted to take yeah. a picture and it's just like, I felt like ripping them to shreds and I had apps telling me that what he should be doing. And you have a comparison with like, he has, he has a cousin who's three months younger than him in, in Kerry and you have a cousin who's like four or five months older than him in Australia and you're getting the pictures and you're getting the milestones and yeah, he's just, yeah, it's just, you feel hopeless. You feel you're like you're never, you feel like you're never going to get there and you don't know who to turn to. So in J- July 10th then we're coming up to where everything happened so I actually I remember going to a hen party the first week of July and Ben it was my birthday in and around that time as well and Ben had been physically sick he'd made himself sick and oh the tension Rebecca oh my god the tension in our house there was constant tension because yeah neither of us knew what to do and of course there was you weren't sleeping you weren't you know like if I'm if I'm sleep deprived for two days I lose my absolute mind I lose my mind so I can't even yeah. comprehend how you were and as you said at the top of the call that how you stay together in your relationship do you know what I mean so yeah. you have to take something from that that the two of you are so strong in that you're still, you're still here. Yeah, I'm laughing because, oh God, I, yeah, I don't know how we did it, but we did and we're still standing strong. But yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot to go back over. Um, Tell me I about July. first week in July. Yeah, this is where it starts then. Um, we, July 10th, I took Ben to the doctor to the GP and his regular GP wasn't there. So we were seen by one of the other GPs. And I told him, I said, look, he has 
lost some skills. He had his head drops oddly. He screams. He like he doesn't sleep. I I just I need help. And he gave me um, some medication for reflux. And I left and I believed him. I like what? That was the first time somebody told me he had reflux. So I was like, right, this is it. You know, this is what it's been all along. Um, so we were giving him Zantac um, that day. And I remember thinking, maybe I'm just not encouraging him enough as a baby. So I remember going to mother care that day after the doctors and I bought him some toys. <laughs> That I thought would help. And like to this day, I hate looking at those toys. But anyway, um, the following day was again just an odd day. Ben was falling in and out of sleep. Um, And that evening at half six, I was giving him his bottle on his chair in his room. And I could feel this like little jerk movement. And I thought, God, this is a little odd. And my husband came in the door that day, um, that time. And I just screamed for him. For, and I don't know why, because it was it was almost like hiccups. But I just felt there was something wrong. So he came up and we were so lucky. I don't know what possessed us to do this, but we videoed it. Um, so it lasted for about 30 minutes. And then fell fast asleep afterwards so um did we know anything was seriously wrong I don't think so um but I we did mention the word seizure but we again we weren't sure um so I rang South Dock again all these things seem to happen outside of doctor's hours but I rang South Dock and um they said to come and I rang my sister who's a nurse and she said get yourself to A&E immediately so we took Ben um, into the car and we drove to A&E in CUH in Cork and we were waiting in CUH and like we were so naive Rebecca we actually thought sure we'll be home in a few hours everything's going to be okay um I thought we were so blessed. Whatever possessed us to take that video, um, I don't know. But to have that video was gold. We got seen then by two regs on call in Naini and um, they took bloods and they did his vital signs. And I think it was about 12 that night, maybe 11, 12 o'clock. And we were sent to Lady Bird Ward. Um, again, like neither of us knew was this serious. Like nobody, you know, not that nobody was telling us anything. It was just, um, I, I suppose they didn't know themselves for sure, you know, what had happened. But we had our evidence with us. Um, so we were sent to the Lady Bird Ward that night. And yeah, that's, Ben looked a bit dazed. Um, but we were we were shattered by that stage and um, we had nurses coming in. I don't know if he had another seizure that night. Um, I think he might have had another. When I say seizure, it's like, it's like they call this a slam movement. So it's when your arms and your legs and your head all kind of jerk in in one moment and they happen every between every 10 and 30 seconds 
and it could last, I mean, it could last, we've, our longest one was probably 40 minutes. Um, so we had to, so I'm kind of jumping ahead now, You're but okay. that night, I suppose the nurses, any, so what they told us was anytime we see any movement like that to ring the bell, and like they'd rush in and I suppose, I suppose we had in some slight indication that something was wrong. But um, yeah, so then the following morning we had a neurologist come to us um, and it was a team of about 10 in the room. Wow. And yeah, so I suppose one of the first things she said to us was, your child has West syndrome and he will never walk. He may never walk or talk and to prepare yourselves for special schooling. And yeah, so God, what do you do? Like, I think I remember that consultation going in on, I'd say we were in there maybe 50, 50 minutes, maybe 40, 50 minutes. To be honest, time doesn't even matter then, but I don't think I heard another word they said. Uh, you just, you're, you're, you just, just like what? <laughs> like it's like as if somebody picked me up, and I was watching it from a distance. You know, you're just, you're like, oh my god, like this. You just don't believe it. And I think that's the mode we went into. It was like we're not. This is not going to be. This is not how Ben's life is going to be. What can we do to fix it? We need to fix this, and that's what. Sorry, I'm shaking, but that's that's what our philosophy was like. This is not going to be Ben's life. Um, what can we do? And that's all we wanted to know. So um, there was, so we met with two neurologists. We had the regs, we had the clinical nurse specialist in epilepsy. We had, um, I'd say there was a few more nurses in the room and they just went into... I suppose, doctor mode of what they were going to do, what was the plan. Um, but yeah, you just sit and you're helpless because you haven't a clue. I've never heard of West Syndrome. Like, what is oh, it? What the hell? So West Syndrome is a rare form of epilepsy. Um, it is a very serious condition that if it's not stopped with medication, um, the longer it lasts, Rebecca, without stopping the seizures, um, the more brain damage that's done. So every seizure that Ben was having was causing him brain damage and we needed to stop them. And the only way to stop them was through steroids, um, severe courts of steroids, medication, vigabitrin, and um, hopefully they would stop. But it's a, it's just a hopefully, you know, um, and that was our hope that they would stop and they'd stop soon. Um, I think it took a full 10 days for Ben's seizures to finally stop. Um, so, and he had upwards of about 30 seizures in that, in those days. And um, uh, can I ask you, was it only then, or was he having these from birth or was the tongue tied an issue with it? Like, was that signs of it? Was We'll never know. We'll never know. And that's, that's the tough part. I always, I don't like it. And the thing about it is I'm on a support group with, with parents and there's just so many unanswered questions. Like there's a million unanswered questions that nobody in the neurology team can tell us. Um, 
I think we know more about the condition than anybody in Ireland at this moment in time. Well, not that any anybody in Ireland, but majority of people in Ireland. Um, you have to self-educate because it's such a rare, rare form that not a lot of people would be aware of it. GPs that we've gone to haven't heard of it that often. Um, actually, I don't think a single GP that we've been to has heard of the syndrome. So, yeah, that was... That was part of the reason I said, like, that was my vow to Ben um, throughout his time in hospital that I needed more people to be aware of this and I needed to know how to fix it. Because the first thing we were told was, don't Google it. (laughs) What's the first thing you're going to do? Mm. You Google. Uh, And it's very antiquated, the information that's on Google. Um, So there's a lot of talk of that kids won't reach their fifth birthday and that it's just I suppose it tells you the most horrendous things that you don't want to know your child will be um, severely disabled um, that yeah it's just I suppose the the Google search didn't help Um, but then we found a light at the end of the tunnel we found a support group in the UK and they were Oh, they were our saving grace. They, it was parents that were going through it, and you can't beat people that know that have gone through what you're going through, and like the help, the support, the questions that they answer, the you know the things that you just need hope. Mm. It's just, it was a lot. I suppose it was a lot to take in. Um, was there relief yeah. when you got the diagnosis? Yeah. Part of me felt justification that I, I wasn't, as you said earlier, I wasn't going mad, um, that there was something. But then part of you just feels oh, like this is the last thing you want to hear. Um you know, they, like that sentence I'll, until my dying day, I'll never forget it. Um, yeah, we just, we were like, we were, oh gosh, we were just paddling. Like we were trying to stay cool, but we were just underneath. We were just, I mean, every day was spent researching and trying to, trying to figure out what can we do. So he was started straight off on, on steroids or sorry, he started off straight off on Vigabtrin, so Sabrin. Now, it is a medication that is not technically given to children under the age of two or three, but um, and it affects eyesight. So they were trying to keep an eye on that. Um, but like there's four reasons for a West syndrome. So there is, um, I'm trying to look at some notes that I had to take down, Rebecca, my apologies, but it's You're just, it's, it's been so long since no, I've read up on, on all this mm-hmm. again. But like it was either structural, so he had an MRI. The MRI came back um, okay. Like there, he had a bit of fluid to the front of his his brain, but they were happy enough with it. It's then metabolic. It can be metabolic, so they checked his liver, and he had a spinal tap, and he had a liver functioning test. He had um, a kidney workup. He had a heart workup. He had oh my goodness, genetics. They took oh, they took so much blood from him. Um. But like I suppose, uh, thankfully, he was at an age where he will never remember all this. Um, I don't think we'll ever forget it. But um, so genetics, he, they did his genetics. And then I suppose the last reason is unknown. 
and the unknown reason is the best case okay. possible. So people often think if you don't know what has caused it, then maybe that's worse. The worst case scenario, you want to know what's caused mm. it. But in the West syndrome case, it's the best possible outcome for your child. Um, the, so we got all the, so we were in there for, for over two and a half weeks um, and they were doing all these tests and he was on an amount of medication and my husband read up some some study I think it was from Cambridge or something at the time and it suggested that if we added in a, a strong steroid on top of the vigabitrin that that would stop the seizures a little bit better um, and they had already thought like they, they were coming to us with that scenario anyway so we started with Preds so I think it was 40 mg like it was a very strong steroid for such a small child um, but yeah that was so it was just medication and every time I remember that that bell that bell in hospital uh, if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey if you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, every time we had a seizure, we had to ring that bell and the nurses would just dash in. And we had to video it every time. And we had to, to time each time he had it. Um, the movement we had to time between that and the next one to see if they were reducing in time and you couldn't pick them up um so I suppose again it's the guilt like I remember putting out that video on trying to bring awareness um and I remember thinking god would people think I'm so bad for not picking him up and cuddling him and stuff but we weren't allowed to um you have to leave Ben have his seizure and yeah it was 
it was scary for him. And like, there's times where you saw him crying and yeah. Oh, I don't know. Scary for you. Like, I just don't even know how you would deal with that. Like, you know, I just, it must have absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I feel so, re- not removed from it now, but there's been so much, yeah. It's it's like, uh, again, you just, oh, I don't know how to even explain it. We just needed to move. I think in our head, we just felt we needed to be brought, you know, we didn't need to like sit down and feel sorry for ourselves. We needed to like be proactive and we needed to fix this. And that was, that was our outlook always like that. We just couldn't sit and feel sorry for ourselves. This was, that was not going to be the case. We needed to fix this for Ben. We needed to know how to fix it and we needed the best care and services. So like we had OT in the hospital, we had physio, we had speech and language, we had, yeah, we had, I suppose the epileptic nurses have been fantastic in CUH, the neurologist. I mean, they were so on the ball, Rebecca. I mean, he was medicated within, I'd say within 12 hours to 24 hours of us being in hospital and Ben was medicated and like that to us was everything. Mm. I'm so glad we had that video that like without even seeing Ben, she was able to tell us what it was. God. Um, yeah. From that video alone, she just, she didn't even need to see a seizure. She just knew straight away. So, and like we, so I do count us as being lucky because a lot of people on that support group, they go to a hospital and the child isn't having, um, I call it a seizure. Um, it is a seizure, but it's not your typical ep- epilepsy seizure because it can't, it's causing brain damage at the same time. And it can't be stopped by, um, a, a, you know, a, your typical epileptic mm. drugs, you know, you, you need to be on a course of strong steroids and, and sabral in order for it to have any effect. And a lot of ki- people are on like the ketogenic diet and like there's, there's different combinations of drugs that work for different kids. And like, it's, it's a very complex, I suppose, um, diagnosis because it's different for everyone. Um, but, and it's rare, like, I mean, statistically in Ireland, I don't have any statistics, but I think it's like um, one in every 3000 kids in, in the UK. Um, but yeah, it's it's almost like it doesn't exist in Ireland. But then like I've, I show snippets on Instagram and I'll always hashtag invitile spasms or rest syndrome and like the amount, the amount of people who contact me over West syndrome or infantile spasms for just, and it was like me, I was contacting, it was me two years ago, you know, Mm. contacting people saying, please give me hope, give me something. What can I do? Just tell me anything. Um, Because I suppose there came to a point where you have to leave the hospital. And that was a low day because you're so... I suppose you're so protected in hospital and you don't have to think of what to give drugs. You don't, you just feel, I I felt I wanted to stay there, you know, Mm. forever. So he'd be in a place that he was taken care of, but we had to go home. But I was, you're panicked, you're on edge, you're, 
you're given like he was on several I, I have actually this was the list that we were given from the hospital um, and um, we had times and we had like we had to give him medications at 7 12 7 and 12 so and there was like one two three four five six seven drugs and like he just feel like what am I going to do how am I going to do this and um we had to, because he was on such a high dose of prednisolone then as well, we had to self-isolate. So Ben wasn't allowed to go anywhere um, for three months because their um, immune system is quite low at that time. So we weren't allowing people to come in and see him from about seven, eight months. And like even his cousin came from Australia and she was just she was like, no, sorry, um, we have to, don't you? You just yeah. like our priority was Ben. Um can I ask you, Elder, what does that do yeah. to the two of you? What does it do to you? Like, obviously, you're going through all of this and your security blanket, as in the hospital, has been taken away from you and you're going home. What does that do to you? Like, I know you're, I know, and I know, I know you're like Ben, we had to think about, but what does that do to you? Uh, you know? Yeah, it's fear, Rebecca. It's like fear of... Oh, not being, yeah, yeah, fear, oh, worry. I suppose I never tried to let myself think of us. Um, it was all Ben, 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 because, yeah, it was, yeah, like, you, who wants their child to be diagnosed with something that you think is going to impact them for life? You know, you every mother, every father, every mother has dreams when you're when that baby's placed in your arms you have dreams of what it's going to be um I had his name down in my school um and within months you're told actually no um your child is never going to do any of those things yeah it's a very hard pill to swallow and I suppose the journey that we had to get to them you feel what have I done? What have I done in life to deserve this? You do. You have that bit of self-pity, but yeah, I try not to dwindle on that, dwindle on that any, mm. you know, for any time because yeah. You have a focus. Uh, you just want to make You sure. do. You have a focus and I like, I still have a focus, you know, it's, it's, it's such, it's a journey. It feels like a never ending journey. Um, but we're a lot further along than I ever thought we would be. Um, but yeah, like, oh God, you're even like thinking back, Rebecca, just even that August, September time that we were at home and you're coming up to nearing Ben's first birthday. And oh God, I remember him just lying on the ground and you're trying to do these exercises that, you know, you're not getting anywhere and his eyes are just rolling on his head and like with the steroids, he just ballooned in weight, absolutely ballooned. Like, oh gosh, if I was to show you photos of pre, pre-pred, pre-steroid, oh geez, Ben was tiny and next thing all you have is this humongous baby that's just looks I, this is an awful word to use but like he he was just a vegetable on the ground you know I mean you just and you just want to help you want to do something that will or you just want him to do something that shows you that there's progression but there it was no matter what you did 
bending on all those drugs you were you were going to get nowhere but you feel like you have to but you just oh, you were getting nowhere with him um and that's not his fault uh, and it's not your fault but you just yeah you just feel like gosh surely surely he'll do something you know like will he turn over will he uh, will he be able to raise his head but um yeah as we came off the steroids sure geez I, I'm jumping around now, yeah, Rebecca, but yeah, like uh, steroids then sure Ben was up from he used to go down to bed at about seven ish and he'd be up from 12 to 6 every single night because he just was energetic on steroids so that was for about two three months um and so like there was very very little sleep um but again you'd oh gosh yeah there was huge tension all the time because we were both getting no sleep and Nell was working um I decided not to go back to work obviously um so I took some leave for a few months um just to try and get like we were still getting our heads around the fact that and still learning about about the syndrome and trying to do our best and um, we were on an assessment of needs but we weren't getting anywhere with that services were quite slow for Ben so we ended up going down private physio thank god we had the money for it and again I would do anything for him even if we didn't we'd, we'd have to just we'd have had borrow begged or steal stolen to to get physio for Ben um we were on an assessment of needs and the multidisciplinary team what was written down Ben's diagnosis was infantile spasms and they don't deem infantile spasms as a priority um oh if, if we'd known again if we'd known in hindsight um they do deem West syndrome but they like it um the I think the only difference like, there is very little difference in the two I think one that you have an EEG so a brain a brain scan that Ben has had he's had loads of these now but so brain er, back in July who we were in hospital Ben had an EEG his first one looked normal but she was convinced that the second one wouldn't um so it's called hips arrhythmia so when the brain waves are very erratic and I remember Ben seizure and going down to have this EEG and I remember it's funny, sorry, this memory has just popped back yeah, into my fine. head. I remember it being in, being so upset watching him seizuring. Like we were in, he was in this trolley and he was so tiny. And I remember passing everyone in the corridor. And of course, when you see a baby, you're looking in and you're thinking, oh, you know, they're in hospital. And like all I could see was Ben seizuring. And I remember tears just streaming down my face. I remember being in a in the elevator and this older couple were going, oh, look. And like, I'm assuming they knew as well that Ben was seizuring, but I just felt, I just needed to, I wanted to scream. I just wanted, oh God, sorry. That memory just popped back into my head. But yeah, like, so his brain waves were very, very erratic um, and they needed to stop that. They needed to almost reset his brain to slow that down. So that's what all the medication was hoping that they were hoping that that would do. But she's coming back to that. Yeah. So the, the multidisciplinary team that wasn't written down his, his diagnosis that he had West syndrome. So we actually weren't seen for a further 13 months. Yeah. 
I know. So there was a full 13 months of us just rowing the boat ourselves. Um, yeah, again, hindsight, I've said it a few times. Yeah. I should have just screamed and screamed loudly. Um, I did ring if, like a couple of times, but I was told, look, your number 40 on the list. And you think, right, okay, yeah, I'm number 40 on the list. You know, you, you accept it for what it is. Um, but I had a child that needed services there. And then um, we did get in physio. And to be fair, um, the Barefoot Clinic in Ballancolly or in Bishopstown, what she was phenomenal with them. Um, she and it felt like you were doing something Rebecca you know you could go home and you had homework and mm. we felt like we were finally starting to see some bit of progress now I remember Fee Fee was the, our physio there at the very I suppose towards an end where she couldn't get us any further than what we were at I remember her turning to me saying Elaine I, I can't the day you walked in I really thought like it was hopeless mm. I never said that to you and I'm so glad she didn't because mm. um, you need you need some hope you need to hold on to something and we're still holding on you know Um and yeah to me Ben is perfect so but he's he's my Ben so so October November we started to come off the the so they say once you start to come off the the drugs so when I say they say this is our support group with the UK and they said as soon as you start to come off drugs you should see some progress so coming off the Sabril, oh Rebecca, that was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Ben was like a drug addict. I mean, he, the withdrawal symptoms, and again, I suppose the neurologists don't know; they don't see what you see as a parent. Mm -hmm. So you're telling them what you're going to do. So I was, we were going to 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 wean it slower, a lot slower than they thought. So they send you home with like a sheet of what you should be weaning off every every week or every day but the jump was so so large for Ben he was oh gosh he we used to just like scrape and pull and scream like scream so badly I, I'd say I, I don't know how our neighbours dealt with us but it was it felt like months I'm sure it was a lot less than months but it felt like a time that um, we would never get through to wean Ben off that drug and they don't bring them into the hospital to do that no no um, I think it was probably over four weeks so again I suppose it's not a place you want to be either Rebecca because yeah. it's very um, um, you know it is nicer to be in your own place but I understand where you're coming from too but yeah, uh, it was a huge, that was a huge ordeal, um, getting him off that drug. But it was finally the week before his first birthday, we were, were we almost drug free? I think we were, we were off the two major ones anyway. Um, and that was enough for us. I mean, it was, it was a celebration, you know, we, we had gotten to his first birthday and things were, I suppose he was, was he starting, did he start to roll? And yeah, there was a few milestones he was starting to reach. And then we had my sister's wedding that Christmas. And I remember the day after her wedding, he sat up for the first time. 
like this was he was 13 months and we were just everyone was in such room bar my husband oh, God. <laughs> and we were just shocked like there was a good gang like I mean I told you I'm in family yeah. of six now but there was a good huge gang of us in the sitting room and I remember whatever way he he managed to sit up um, it was just I suppose celebrations all around um 29th of December I'll never forget it um that was, I suppose, the moment where we had our first glimmer of like hope. He was 13 months. Um, you're like, you're so proud. You've like these milestones just, you know, I suppose uh, not, like not to trivialize it for any parent, but you're, you're accepting of it. You're thinking, oh, tick. Whereas for us, this was like he climbed Mount Everest. You know, this was just, this was everything. It mightn't seem like anything to anybody else, but this was just a moment that we'll never forget I, I will never ever ever forget that moment of him sitting up and I can see it I can I can like it's yeah it's a time I will never forget um so then January oh my goodness so oh, what kind of thing back now um so he did, he started to sit up and we had still physio and it was actually in physio that he started to pull himself up a little bit. I remember the first time, again, it's all like these first, I'd say he was moving on towards maybe 15 months um, and you're constantly, you're going through all this. Con- and at, in the same time, I went back to work. But anyway, <laughs> um, madness because I... I'd say, God, love my school. Um, it was, yeah, I, I, I actually don't think I could string two words together. Um, we were going through an awful lot, a lot more than I ever let on to people. Um, Why do but, you think that was? Why did you not let on to people? Um, pride. Mm. Pride. Um, you don't want people to judge your child ever you want them to see I was always scared that people would judge Ben that they would see him differently and I didn't want that I didn't want Ben to be seen as different I remember actually the neurologist even telling me one day just throwing it into a conversation about you know being a parent of a special needs child I actually it, it it shocked me because I'd never seen myself as a parent of a special needs child. Um, but I, I guess I am. Um, but I remember the first time that it was said, I was in disbelief because I, I knew he had a syndrome. Did I think of him as having special needs? No. Um, but you're a mom, you know, you, you see your child as, the be all and end all, you know. Can I ask you, with the when the medication the steroid stopped, like is that him? You know, oh god, I'm forgetting the word. What's the word? Seizure free. Seizure free. Yeah. So the hope is that he's seizure free. A lot of kids have relapses, um, and then you have to start that journey all again. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Honest, God. Um, yeah, thankfully, like there's, you have no idea how many parents are added to that group in the UK every single day, every single day. Like this is the scary thing, Rebecca, is that it's so unknown in Ireland and you could have a child that is misdiagnosed 
and the outlook, I mean, you're, you're, if you don't start that medication immediately or as soon as you can, I mean, you're, you're, you're effectively like your child is get, having more and more brain damage and their outlook is, is bleak, you know, I mean, that's the scary thing is because a lot of, a lot of GPs are misdiagnosing it as reflux. I mean, as soon as I went in with regression of skills, that should have been, I mean, straight away red flag, you know, um, no child should have any regression of any skill. You know, once that skill is learned, that's it. It's set in stone. Um, but yeah, no, I've definitely grown, grown some Leroy along this, along this journey. Mm. Um, and I definitely, I don't have any doubt in my mind when it comes to dealing with things with Ben anymore. You know, you, you have to, I don't want to be that parent that screams the loudest, but you, you have to, you have to be that parent that screams the loudest. Yeah. So like we were, were very lucky. Ben never relapsed. Um, we had a query seizure. Um, he was put on Eplum. Um, What's that? He was like Eplum is your Eplum is your your typical epileptic drug for okay. to to maintain seizure free um, in any epileptic form. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were put on it, but only as a precautionary. Um, so he has been on and we finished it yesterday. Oh, so that's amazing. I know. So he, he had an MRI scan last December 1st um, and he's had plenty of EEGs and they've all come back um, looking normal. So um, that was our first um, he's on other medication, but like this is uh, this is another major thing for us. Like it's even today was our first day not giving it at six p.m. and six a.m. and it was just it feels it felt weird, you know. It mm. felt like we're so um, routine. So, it was it was our routine every single day, so it just felt odd. Like we were on a walk at half five and we thought, oh God, we don't have to be back for six. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was lovely. So he's up off plums since yesterday so another I suppose a thing I haven't um said either Rebecca is that Ben used to so it's come January we were off a lot of the major drugs we'd gone through Christmas my sister got married she was sitting up things started to look up but January from January onwards um like we had all the the nights up with the steroids. We had all the nights up with weaning the Vigabatrin, him screaming his head off. We were still kind of meandering along and then January hit and he was a nightmare at night. So he was a very happy child during the day. Um, sleep again was never, never good. He'd start like his day nap. He'd start screaming 40 minutes into it. You go down, he'd sit in your arms um, he'd thrash around the place, he'd roll. So like you got maybe 40 minutes of the day and then nighttime came. I used to dread it. I used to dread, dread, dread nighttime. Like my stomach used going nuts. Come around six, seven o'clock. Um, he used to go down okay. Um, but give it an hour and then used to be up screaming and I mean now screaming thrashing walloping himself off you sitting up didn't want to be in your arms so it wasn't a case of a lot of like 
the consultants and the doctors you say was just to get comfort from you but it wasn't like a we needed to get an answer on this so he used thrash around from maybe eight nine ten eleven and then he'd fall asleep so I'd get sleep from 11 to 12 to maybe one-ish and then he'd wake again from maybe one, two, three, four o'clock maybe um, thrashing again and he was never awake like he was never physically awake but it was just screaming, thrashing he'd roll um, and then he'd sleep maybe until five, six o'clock and then he's up um, and this was every single night and because there was COVID in the country we had very little contact with CUH um, we were homeless in Kerry so I just got into this whole like routine of just doing this night in night out my husband was working I was remote um, and I was working a week on week off but I felt like I was the only person that could do this because obviously Anil was on um meetings all day long so I just did it um but like I suppose this is the part where it starts to affect you physically and mentally um this was a cycle that continued for probably six months um before I rang the consultant or did I email her or something and I just just said I I actually I can't do this anymore. I actually can't do this anymore. And she said, is it worth hospitalizing you? Uh, I said, Ben, she meant, mm-hmm. I said, yeah, we, we need, we need somebody to see what's going on. And my first night in there, I was told to ring the bell when this would start, which I did. And the nurse came and I videoed it and the nurse was shocked. She's like, oh my God, this is, this is not normal. And the consultant saw the video the next day and she actually apologized. She's like, like how, what, why didn't you say something sooner? And I suppose again, oh, I was a bit of an idiot to be honest with you, Rebecca. I just did it night in, night out and never looked for help. Um, but I was getting to the stage where I thought, I was in a really, 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 really ugly, bad place um, and just continued to do it, continued to keep going. And yeah, I think that part of my life again, <laughs> there's, you've probably heard this too many times for me, but again, I just couldn't, I couldn't go back to that. Um, like you become schizophrenic without sleep and um, I wasn't getting sleep during the day and you like you I suppose for yourself you need time out from your children <laughs> that's an awful thing to say but you do you need that time to sleep to function um and I wasn't getting that and yeah we were at home in Kerry but again I was I suppose I was hiding a lot of how I was feeling but gosh there was there was nights where I felt like I just wanted to put the tools into the car and just drive off a cliff and that's an awful thing to say and that's an awful like even thinking about that now I just I know I would never have done it but I wanted to do it and yeah that's something I probably have never admitted to anybody but I remember we went to we went to a family holiday in Kenmare during when COVID was letting the country open up a little bit and I remember my sisters came with me and both of them neither of them have kids 
and I was so angry and so cross because I wanted them to understand but I never told them so how could they understand you know mm. and I came down one night and they were like oh has he settled and again I was an idiot Rebecca I, I did everything myself I fed him I, I changed his nappies I was the one who bathed him I was even when I had two sisters and my mom in the house and no I had to do it you know yeah was it a lot of like what Ben has been through and you know you just I wanted to be everything for him and I couldn't be yeah and that's the thing like and you said as well that you didn't let anyone at school know what was going on because of pride and pride follows through with your family as well like you still don't want even your your husband to realize yeah. you're failing sometimes do you know what I mean yeah. you do yeah and it is it is failure like it's been a whole journey of and it's not failure it's not failure it's what you think in your head is failure but it's not failure yeah yeah I know you don't know I don't know you don't know you're just agreeing with me for the sake of it but it's not failure (laughs) do you know what I mean yeah yeah you just you have this idealistic view of what motherhood should be and I just felt I was never I wanted to be great at it I wanted to be good at it and I felt I was never going like I never got there and I could never I was never building up a relationship with Ben like it took it took it took an awful long time for me and Ben to have a relationship and that was a very hard pill to swallow it really was. Um, but like, oh, he is, oh, Rebecca, he is the most amazing, beautiful, smiley, happy boy there is. Like you, for all he's gone through, like if I could, if somebody could watch what he's been through, oh, like it's, it's phenomenal. He is the most phenomenal child. He deserves everything that life gives him and I hope it does um like we've gotten to a great part in our life like he's walking he started to walk um in July of last year actually my god we're nearly at his first year um he was 21 months so we were like I mean he's not you know it's not too far off of when the latest time he should have hit this milestone and I, I'm not comparing him to, to anybody, but like he, I mean, he was never meant to walk, you know, he took three steps towards me and I was sitting in the, in our old rental and I've sat with my legs out and he went from, we had a little poof leather stool in the middle of the, the sitting room and it was about three steps to me and he fell into my arms, but it was three steps, you know, it was, it was everything. Um, things I will never I'll never forget them I will never ever forget those moments but you got him there do you get that you (laughs) got him to those places like the pull up the you know the the steps falling you did that I know it's not failure because failure would have been a whole different situation and your strength got him there yeah, <laughs> but you have yeah, to accept that. I, you have to. I know you're. Not, you probably don't accept it, but you, you'll have to accept that you're the one. Yeah. Like you're saying, you baited him, you fed him, you were up every night with him. As a mother, but as a mother, you got him 
to where he is today. Yeah, I know. I suppose. Yeah, I just feel like I just you you just you. It's like everything in life. You get to a certain point. And you feel like oh, there's there is a, such a drive. I just feel like I need to keep you know you, you you want more and more and more and more and like our next I suppose our next hope is that Ben will will say something you know I'd, I'd love to hear mommy or mama or like we've never heard mama we've never heard dada I would just kill I, like we've we've both had dreams about Ben saying his first word um I've heard his voice I would love I would love to hear his voice he's two and a half um again like at the moment services have closed down oh, look it's it's not their fault they're amalgamating at the moment um but we haven't had services and it's so hard to find therapists at the moment and um, they all seem to have either clo- had closed shop for covid and now have a backlog of people and um like we just oh, like there's a lot of suppose we've started love signs with them but he doesn't take to quite a lot and He's a very busy, busy child, Rebecca. So I suppose they've, they've queried, is he on the spectrum? Um, again, that was a very hard pill to swallow. Um, I don't know. I I see a few traits of autism there and children with West syndrome are very, they're, they're, I suppose they're predisposed to, to autism. Not all of them, but there is a percentage that is. Um again I, I suppose he is young I, I know I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts and it's a parent that had an autistic child that was diagnosed quite young and, but I just want Ben to have time to come off all this medication and see where we're at then mm. um, am I in denial? Probably a little bit um, am I hopeful? Yes I am I just part of me like I, I'm, I'm, I work with um in special education myself and you know I just like yes autistic children are amazing and I, their brain works differently but like, it is a hard pill to swallow I'm not going to lie and I feel a lot differently for the parents that I have had over the past 20 years in, in teaching I I'm understand of like my understanding of how to be a better advocate for them has has just gone from strength to strength you know I I understand a lot more where they're coming from you go down to the playground and Ben is very vocal and he like he in vocal in the sense that he's non-verbal so he doesn't speak but he will scream with excitement and he'll get looks and sometimes you feel like just I, I, I try and tell as many parents around me and I don't know why it's just to make myself feel better that they're not judging me as a parent and you know like you feel you do feel judged you do feel judged um and there you go into protective mommy mode and you just want to cocoon then um you don't want him or you to be judged because you know what you've been through um but it's yeah it's it's a it's a real tough journey it's a real tough journey um yeah, I don't know even know where I was going with that. Rebecca, no, but, but I it's know just... I know exactly. Like we, I seen, um, you know, Aaron McGregor. Um, okay. If you follow her, her boy is nonverbal. 
and like okay. she he got into the car seat by himself this week and I, I think he could be mm. five and he got into the car seat and she was like I will come on and talk about it she's like but this is so hard this is like that him getting into that car seat is a huge thing for me huge mm-hmm. you know and you you huge Jesus all the money in the world are this is still happening. You can't change it. Like you, you can't change it. You can't. I know. And Rebecca, I will often say that. I remember like, I remember when we were going through fertility treatment, we thought like we couldn't get a car. We were, we were trying to fix it and we couldn't fix it. And we thought, oh, do you know what? We, we'll buy a car and we'll feel better. She yeah. bought a car. Oh, like, I, and I remember people going, oh, look, you have a new car. Blah, blah, blah. And oh, I felt so angry inside. I was like, oh, I would give this car back in a heartbeat if I could have a baby. And it's the same with the house. Like, people are like, oh, my God, your house is amazing. Like, if somebody said to me tomorrow, if you lived in a camper van for the rest of your life and Ben would walk and talk, would you give up your house? I like it wouldn't even be a conversation. I would give up the house in the morning. I just want as long as he's happy and oh, like that's that's everything in life. It's and you know as a mom, that's, that's all you want is your kids to be happy. Um and healthy health is everything as I even used to say that about my dad like those who don't have to walk in the doors of a hospital they will never ever realize how good they have it they'll never they'll give out about the simplest things and again I'm guilty I've been there but if you don't have to deal with health issues in your life you have everything you have everything you don't need anything else like as long as your family's happy and healthy you know that's everything and then what is um what is the future for ben now so where is the next six months next year for ben okay so we're starting montessori (laughs) which is a huge step i can't believe i like i will be i I used to always say what is wrong with parents giving their lovely precious children to me and as a junior infant teacher i understand i understand it i am going to be a mess come september but um he's only going to go three days a week um, to begin with, and we'll see how he is. And they have been phenomenal. They have gone about getting an SNA for him. Um, it's not set in stone yet, but it will be. Um, please God, he's a child that will need quite a little bit of um, extra help in Montessori and just monitoring, I suppose. Um, he won't sit down. He, he's just... I think developmentally wise, he would probably equate to maybe a year less so he's two and a half developmentally wise he's probably a year and a half um he will start back with his multidisciplinary team soon i hope um we will be doing like at the moment we're doing law of signs with him and peck board so it's like pictures mm-hmm. um just trying to like i'm hoping he's not he's a very happy child but i'm hoping like the more and more that he understands that he won't get frustrated when he can tell us something so we we're using pictures with him in, in the hope that he will be able to use pictures um I'm hoping speech will come. Um, I'm hopeful. I have to be hopeful. We have to be hopeful as a family that it will come. He is the biggest delight in my life. So, the love of my life. If you Google West Syndrome in Ireland, there is 
zero, zilch, nothing. Um, and that's that was our that was our experience and still is our experience. And I don't want it to be another person's experience. I even messaged a girl today who's who was so lovely, who she's from London and she has gone through this and she's out the other side. Her child is seven. He is delayed speech language wise, um, which a lot of them will be. Um, but apart from that, he is your regular run as middle boy. Um, and that's, that's what I'm clinging on to (laughs) with both hands. Um, so yes, our, our future is uncertain. Um, but there is hope and that's what we're that's what we're clinging on to definitely um you know when you said there that you were at your your very lowest um what would you say to someone else who's at their very lowest point who could be listening to this i regret not saying it i suppose because it festered in my relationships with my own family and with especially with an um I was very angry um very in uh, I, I suppose my tolerance for people because it was survival mode Rebecca I was I, I was surviving from day to day um and like lack of sleep manifests in so such awful ways like you're psychotic you really are and um we were also in the throes of building a house so fire that in top of it as well something that i i really looking back i suppose i just didn't care about it um all i cared was about getting well i was living in the moment every hour I just took it day by day every hour by hour trying to get through it and it was like a hamster wheel you know you just you you go through the motions but I wasn't we weren't happy you know like it's it's funny it's like we were the Instagram happy you know nobody saw underneath but um yeah, I should have said it a lot sooner. We are very, very lucky that our marriage survived this. Very lucky. Like we, it was dragged through the bush and back. Like it was, yeah. And I'm like any parents of special needs, not even special needs, any parents that have gone through children that are, have had you know, sickness and things have just gone wrong in their lives. You know, it's, it's, it puts pressure on relationships. Definitely kids put pressure on relationships, mm-hmm. Rebecca, you know, as soon as you add kids into a mixture, they push that extra pressure. You, you have different parenting skills. You have, you know, different ways of saying things. Um, but you add anything else into the mixture and like the pot starts to boil a little bit. Um, but we got there, like it, it just goes to show like how strong a relationship we had before this. Um, because like there were days I'd say we didn't speak a civil word to each other. Um, that's just me being honest and yeah, it's been, it's been a journey. Yeah. And now, and I know you said it, that you would change, like you would give it back and that, and that is valid, but also you're in your beautiful home now and, you know, know. in a lovely place. Like how long did it take you to build? 
So we got plan. We bought the site in 2000, actually before Ben was born. So mm. we bought the site in July or July of 2018 and Ben was born that November. So we had great plans that we'd be in for his first birthday celebration. Mm. <laughs> that was not going to go um, too well for us. Um, I think it took us quite a while to, to get the land signed over to our name. Um, so that took us the bones of a year, I would say. Yeah, it was June, actually. It was June the following year. But then July, of course, mm. Ben's diagnosis happened. And we just stepped, like we were with this great company. Um, uh, we signed up with them. Um, it was a design to build. Like it, they did everything. Yeah. Basically. And that's what we needed in our life. Like we needed there's no way we would have gotten this yeah. done by ourselves. We don't, like, we don't know trades in Cork. So like yeah. this was the easiest route for us to go. We, um, so we explained to them what was going on in our lives and they were happy to like set, step back for a little bit. And then I suppose Nil was the driving force for it. You know, I mean, we, we had to get going with it. And, um, we met up a few times with, with, KMC and they drew up plans for us and like Anil was very involved with it thankfully um, but yeah it was like it was exciting Rebecca but I just I, yeah I was I suppose I was on a different I was in a different bubble you know yeah. my I was in the Ben bubble yeah <laughs> and that's all I could focus on I, I found I couldn't focus on anything else um, oof, you know just turning on the light <laughs> But um, he was, he was great. He was phenomenal. Um, there's, as I said before, there's definitely no doubt in my mind that we wouldn't be in here without him. Um, I actually, like he's come to me with questions. I was, all my answers are like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And like, I know you mentioned to my, my Instagram, um, I started, I suppose, through the throes of my psychosis, sleep deprivation with Ben. I kind of thought, right, I, like it came to the stage where he he had it out with me. He was like, look, you have to start caring because this is costing us like a fortune. And I suppose he was getting a bit frustrated. And I couldn't, I can understand. Now I can understand why he was getting so frustrated with me. So I thought, right, I better put something together, like started to get pictures together of things I liked. And like if you saw my phone, I mean, it's just a case of Ben, 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 maybe a house, maybe a picture of a house, Ben, Ben, Ben. There's so many photos, so many videos, so, so many screenshots of like therapies for like it's all to do with Ben. I mean, mm. completely enough. I am going to have to go just start deleting an awful amount of stuff because there's a lot of negative stuff there as well there's an awful lot of videos of seizure related and like oh gosh even thinking back Rebecca like Ben used to have these other um just a lot of things that were happening due to medication he was having these weird like laughing sessions and I have pictures of that and they're just weird I mean they're not your typical laughing yeah. like he's laugh constantly for maybe 10 minutes just oddly so we like we I videos those I have videos of eye rolling I have videos of just him breaking out in rashes it's just I needed a place where Ben didn't feature for a while I needed a place to put my house stuff yeah. and I thought okay do you know what I'll set up an Instagram I didn't 
it wasn't for following. It was just, I wanted a space for me. Mm -hmm. And it was, it started to become this place where I thought, oh my God, you know, it's a nice place to be. And Instagram can have very, like, it can be negative in the sense that you could be following all these bloggers and they have everything. And you, you're like, you kind of sometimes can get sucked into that. And all of a sudden I was on a, a forum where it was, everyone was like backing the next person. And, you know, you couldn't have what the next person had because your house was different or, yeah. you know, you, you have your own ideas and mm. like it, it's so supportive. My gosh, I've met some beautiful, I mean, such lovely, genuine and so genuinely happy for you. You know, those, those people that, uh, they're just real. It's a really, really nice bunch of people. And my house Instagram, it, it like only follows home accounts. Mm. And then I have my personal one that um, just, you know, follows mm. like friends and family and things like that. But um, yeah, it's a nice place to lose yourself for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's the reason I set up that. I didn't expect to get followers, but you you do. And that's OK, too. Um I kind of do show snippets of Ben. I suppose it's like it's a platform that I could share. That uh, any platform I can get to share anything about West Syndrome, I, I vowed that day that that Ben that when Ben had gone through all that, I was like, "You're not going to go through this in vain." Like I have to, whatever I can do to get the message out there. And it wasn't just I didn't want or like it didn't want our story to be getting whatever the spotlight I just needed in my head it was like if I if one parent can see that those that video of like Ben's seizure and that was a very it was a very raw it was very raw videos I put out in that YouTube video that that it was a week of infantile spasm awareness week with, with the UK. It's, it happens every, the first week in, in December every year. And like, I, I, I was like over and back with an L. I was like, will I do this? Won't I do this? And I thought if one parent sees that and thinks actually like I was, my, my child was diagnosed with reflux and like, I'm looking at this video and I can see like that that's like, you know, if, if one parent can get in any and say, this is what my child has and I need immediate medication. Like if, if one parent can, can, you know, if it can make a difference in one parent's life, our job, job is done because searching through Google, you get nothing like you really don't this is our our case two years ago anyway like we searched high and low and all we were getting were the antiquated things about that Ben wasn't going to live past the age of five and it's so not the case and that support group saved our lives it really 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 did and I'm I would be forever grateful to them and if that's the one bit I can do back for them is is bring awareness to this then that's what I'll do so I do show snippets of Ben on it and yeah yeah a little bit here and there um but again it's 
it's pride. You, uh, Instagram is one of those places where like you'd have people put up pictures of the kitchen being clean and things are shoved into a cupboard, you know. And it's the same with Ben. I will show you bits that he's running around the place, but uh, there's there's hard days as well. Um, I have a friend, not a friend, very close friend with a special needs child, and you know we we definitely get we get each other and it's it's good um you know we we have our our voice messages on a daily basis to just get each other through the day and yeah it's nice to have that support too Elle, on that note we leave it there. yes thank you so much for sitting down with me and telling me ben's story um, and as you said if this can just help one parent hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. To realize yeah. that that's what's happening with their child. I know. Thank you, Rebecca. And honestly, I've said this to you through text and I hope I've done Ben's journey justice because um, that's all that matters. So thank you for listening to me and taking the time You're to hear our journey. I appreciate it. Thank you.